Good afternoon, everybody. It's another podcast with Agility by Nature. A conversation today with a very experienced practitioner. I think you're going to enjoy today's subject. Before I go there, though, let me reminisce. I've been having some Zoom teenies lately. That's why I meet some old friends and we share martinis, or in this case, actually, it was beer, but I poshed it up for you. People I talked to were old friends, old colleagues. They were in a great team I used to work with many, many moons ago. We reminisced about the things that we achieved. We achieved great stuff. I think of them fondly. And I've been lucky to and privileged to work with a number of great teams. I've always been careful. I'm not great with detail, so I always make sure there's a detail person around me. But it made me wonder about the skills. Is it just a moment of luck? a meeting of the stars that you get the right people at the right time and you can achieve amazing things. Or we sort of subconsciously aware when we build the right relationships. Is there a magic source? We've been reflecting on this a lot more, I should imagine, because of the pandemic. We have been using the tools like Teams and uh, Zoom, but never before do I think we have concentrated on the people side, the interactions over the tools. Thank goodness I'm a people person. Today, we're going to explore that more deeply. Today's guest is Michael Short. Welcome, Michael. How are you? Very well, and uh, great to join you, Ian. Thanks very much for the invitation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, looking a little bit more at the people side. Um, as we've said, um, you know, this is a key tenant of the, uh, the Agile philosophy. Um, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes uh, we tend to sort of talk about process a bit too much and not individuals and interactions. So, yes, the, the, this, this should be a really good conversation. Looking forward to it. I totally agree with you, Michael. I mean, I think for, I hear so much about frameworks and processes, which I kind of get it. Um, but we do start with individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And the pandemic has been awful in so many things, but I suppose at last, hurrah, we are focusing on the people and the interactions. Let's think about teams, though. I think that's that's interesting, you know, the, the forming, storming, norming and performing, all of that stuff. But you've got some thoughts about that and you've been studying this a lot. And I know you've been doing a lot of executive coaching. You've been CIO, CTO. You've done all of that good stuff, but you've really been focusing down on teams and how to get teams to be really performing. And, you know, what are the steps? I mean, we meet, we've never met each other, and then we become a team. What, what guides us to be great? Um, so I, I think one of the things that sort of guides people who've never met is how they turn up on a Zoom call or how they turn up in an email. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about that is it, it is different to how they turn up physically. And... The, the gap that I think we need to be aware of um, that we've sort of forgotten in the rush to agilify everything that we do is how do we sit as a group and learn how to interact as a group? How do we make each other psychologically safe in that group? Because certainly my experience, um, uh, I, I like the elevation, but only ever been a CEO and, uh, and a consultant in tech. So, uh, <laughs> so, but thanks to the CIO nomenclature, I'll use it. Um, the, the issue is one of how are these people getting on? How are they interacting with each other? Because it's the interaction that creates um, the innovation. And if you have inclusion, you have innovation. And if you don't, 
then uh, the steps between, which are learning and collaborating and challenging, those are all very, very hard. And after all, agile teams are there to, in part, to drive innovation, whether that's in terms of speed of delivery, priority of delivery, or breadth of delivery or innovation delivery. Um, all these things require innovative thinking. It's, it's an interesting one because someone said to me this morning, and it was an incredible fact, she said, just think of all the people who have met each other for the first time as a team via Zoom or whatever. Nobody knows how tall anybody is. <laughs> what a bizarre and yet strangely interesting fact that was. So yeah, teams could get quite cliquey. So this point of inclusion um, and, and, and not having the usual ways to interact, that sounds like a much more fundamental step to feeling safe or comfortable, whatever word we want to use on that on that journey and are people paying attention to that do you think? I think the challenge for people is that in the last 12 months we've developed a, a work from home philosophy particularly in in the agile space where we can use agile a lot which is obviously software IT and and often customer service and those sort of delivery areas and the challenge with that is all we're doing is turning the wheel on the sausage machine not actually innovating or doing anything different. And I think it was interesting, uh, Microsoft actually um, sponsored a report that came out yesterday uh, looking at people and, and how they, and there was another report saying, you know, um, 70 people want to work most of the time at home. Well, it was a pretty um, unfinished survey because they didn't do the, you know, work from home 100%, then they sort of, you know, work part-time and then go to one day a week. And all those other things about working part-time were condensed into the work from home. And I think we're in danger really of losing um, the understanding of what people are good at because they don't interact physically. And I'm not saying Zoom is a bad tool, it's great. Um, here we are on one ourselves. Um, and the other tools that we have at our disposal, whether it's uh, Teams or whether it's Skype or whether it's um, one of the other many things like Slack and all these sort of um, tools, they all help. And it's without doubt, we couldn't have done what we've just done 10 years ago. Yeah. We didn't have Skype, didn't have Teams, didn't have uh, Zoom. We're not in the, the shape that they are today. But I think we're in danger of really moving far too far away from what has been since our inception as, as, as a species, uh, our social groups. We are a social animal and that's how we develop, that's how we innovate, that's how we drive our society forward. And social for human beings, in my view, means in physical interaction, not just uh, a mental or, or a, a audio-visual interaction. Um, so that, that's really what concerns me most. And, and as part of that, you, you need to understand the type of type of individual you are and, and where you get your energy and, and, and where you want to project your energy into um, the uh, advanced nature of how we now work. Um, productivity, for example, is just not moving at the moment. And we talk about high performance teams and Katzenbach and Smith and all these things that have gone before, but we're simply not reaping the benefits of high performance. And I, I think there are many reasons, but part of that is how are teams put together and how do we exploit what they naturally want to add value to 
at different moments in time in a project or a program? That's a really interesting point of view, actually, because if we think about a project, I mean, I know everything's supposed to be product, but let's just for one moment think of project. Uh, <laughs> and at the beginning, uh, well, at the beginning of projects, in my experience, is that's when all the hope is. Um, but we, you know, we, we, we start thinking about strategy, we think what are the big goals, and then slowly but surely we move into the grind of doing a review, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Uh, and I find some bits of the project fun, and other bits I kind of, I don't go to sleep, of course, but I don't find myself drawn to them. Maybe it's that detail aspect. You know, do you think people are actually thinking about the team needs the, the different component? If we were to do a project, then the team's going to have all those different skill sets that come into their fore as things move through a process. Uh, well, I think that you're absolutely right. And, and there's, a couple of, there's a couple of aspects of what, of what you've said. Uh, that we can pick up first off and first of all someone's skills and aptitudes this is the, this is what we've learned and these are the technical skills that we've learned and then also the aptitudes are how we apply you know so I've learned to use a chisel how do I apply a chisel in the making of a of a, of a wooden clinker boat or how do I make it in the application of making a, a window frame these are all examples of, of, of skills and aptitudes. What we have not really focused in on is something that um, I, I want to talk about today a little bit, which is where do people have their energy? And what I mean by energy is where do they want, what motivates them to add value to the process? And um, there are a number of uh, tools around psycho psychometrics analysis, but this tool it's called the GCI index, and, and I've not come across anything that is close to what this seeks to do. And what it seeks to do is very simply sort out, there are five separate boxes, and, and Agile, people who are into Agile will understand this immediately. Um, and we talk about the game changer. They're people who come up with the ideas. They're the people who you know, want to really make a difference and want to change things. And so we call those game changers. And then there are the others, which are um, the strategist. And this is someone who you know, wants to put everything uh, into shape and wants to understand um, how it's all going to come together for a future uh, view. And then you have the implementer. Uh, and this is someone who wants to get stuff done. You know, doesn't want to spend looking at the vision and the future and where the destination, just wants to implement the, the tactics that are going to get us to fulfill the strategy. And the fourth major group is the polisher. And that, that person is the person who, having looked at something and, and done the minimum viable product, and we're all familiar with these terms, or the minimal marketable value product, whichever one you want, is then going to sit down and, and find an order what it is they're going to put to life to really squeeze the juice out of the product and get the next stage embedded uh, before we we hop on to the next s curve of value new product new iteration and finally what pulls all these people together in the middle is a playmaker someone who wants to um, pull everyone together talk about the dream get everybody moving towards the dream and plays a communication role right in the center between everybody and it's the first time I'd ever come across this. And what it does was, what enlightened me about it was it suddenly said, right, um, 
these are what people's interests are this is what people's skills are this is what people's personalities are but when you turn up in a team and you want to work um you will want to show your skills you want to be valued in these five areas and i'd never thought about it like that and but that is what led me to think about performance that is what led me to think about well it's not just team makeup that's important but the team that we have when do we use those individuals where they're going to be most productive i.e when do they want to add value to the work that we are doing and be seen to be adding that value and that very simple five state model that i've just talked through really helped me direct the work i now do with teams towards well what role do you want to perform when do you want to perform it and because that gives you the value uh, and that's how i've used it myself that's really interesting and to be clear so it's proclivity um that you're drawn to it that's where your happiness that's where your energy is rather than a skill and as you, as you mentioned before i mean that's um that's intriguing because that talks about engagement doesn't it and we always talk about yeah. engaged people and engaged teams. yes yes and and we we talked about people right you know the first the first uh, principle of agile people interactions and the proclivity and energy that you have is exactly where you want to interact and exactly where you want to show your colleagues I, i've got this yeah. don't worry i've got this yeah. now it doesn't automatically mean that you are the best strategist on the team that's not what this says but what it does say is if we're talking about strategy this is where this person wants to go and shine and um fine you might find somebody who loves strategy but isn't uh, that that's that, that that's a skills or or a comp, uh, or an issue to do with team composition but in general most people who have the energy have the proclivity want to have the impact in these five areas they have the skills to do it as well and when you give people what they want to do they become incredibly productive i mean one of the basic principles of an agile team is we don't tell the team how to work okay so we establish the direction of travel the and the destination uh, we establish very clearly what the what is what it is we're seeking to produce and in the middle we have the how well we don't tell people how to do their job it's an absolutely fundamental principle of agile so this is what this does is it says this is how i want to add value well if we great believers in the agile how and let people that's how you build the best possible team is let them shine where they want to show how they work and the gc index really goes straight to that killer blow you can put teams together much more easily in terms of and you can suddenly understand why you know i tell you what whenever we bring this product kathy's always talking about tinkering with it and making it better than we haven't even bloody done the, done the minimum viable product yet and kathy's talking about how we can well that's because she's a polisher that's just what she does and you know tim you know we're in the middle of trying to go from minimum marketable product or minimal viable product or minimal marketable product we're trying to move on and get some real juice out of this orange and tim keeps on going on about the strategy and you know we're going hang on a second we need to get this done and all of a sudden when you have these energies and you can start to help people not manage 
help people to understand where they feel comfortable, where they can most contribute. And everybody in the team suddenly goes, well, of course, it's obvious that bloody Pete was a game changer. I mean, him and Deirdre sit in the corner and they bloody spout on about new ideas. And, um, you know, that's one of the, I always remember my, uh, uh, my former colleague at RadTac, Peter Meese, used to go on at people about change is good. Constant change doesn't get any, anything done. Can we, you know, and, and um, I, I think it's great to see that we've finally got a tool that we can use to help people understand this, uh, this energy that they have. Absolutely. It helps me understand some of the things that I think I've done subconsciously in the past, perhaps. Yeah. And I suppose you're saying, oh, this is the detail point. Uh, Maxine, you probably want to get onto this because I'm not good on this. Uh, but I suppose it helps you be self aware because it's not just about what you're excited by, but why do you switch off? Um, you know, there's no point making me sit, sit me down and do tons and tons of detail month after month. I'm unhappy. I'm going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, 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 and but presumably then if we've got gaps in the team we know now how to fill that not just with the skill set but that well what energy are we needing to bring in to our our team yes by extension organization yeah well without doubt this is a tool that you can use across organizations from the executive suite down and and we're very keen to talk about sometimes tools and other people are there saying oh well tools don't matter it's always about the people and um, uh, you you won't be surprised to find after we've talked for a bit before that i'm a blended person i'm a great believer in believer in uh, hybridization and um, gives you a much stronger approach so you need you need to understand the human dynamic which is about humans interacting but then you also need to have tools that help them to understand there's a great TED talk by a guy called Maya. Um, I'll happily send you the link. But he talks about you know the learning triangle that you and I have discussed. That is uh, something I developed. But he basically talks about how people start journeys, um, and which side of the journey do they go, and how do you change their attitude on this decision pyramid? And it's fascinating because that's what we do in Agile. We need to do a little bit of an action, look at the result, and then understand that cycle of action and results until eventually someone starts to say or the group say well these actions produce these results we understand how we get them and they're repeatable this is changing my belief in what how we need to work the belief around how we need to work then changes our intrinsic behaviors it doesn't mean that you suddenly become someone who wants to give energy to a different um, proclivity it means that you you understand how these things work and how you can improve and it's all self-driven and it's all observational uh, and learning. And we talked about psychological safety. I'm a great believer in the four stages of that. And you take people from inclusion through learner, through collaboration, through to challenge. And again, as you develop this, understanding where people want to put their energies in helps enormously to make people psychologically safe. Yeah. And uh, if we people don't know or they do know, there's um, ISO 45003 coming out, which is aligned with 001, which is all about health and safety at work and, and working environment. And it's exclusively, and it's launched this year, about psychological safety and mental health. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so you, you can imagine, you know, you, what you've just said, that of 
uh, I'm I'm sat in a team and every month, every sprint, someone hammers on at me about I'm not implementing enough. I'm not implementing enough. Yeah. That's not what I do. Yeah. I, I'm someone who likes to take a product that someone else has implemented and improve it and make it the best it can be. Not make it the best, make it the best it can be. These are all old agile phrases, right? And, or I'm sat there, I'm a strategist. I want to know, now we've got this minimum viable product up and running and we've got someone polishing it, how are we actually going to deliver the rest of the strategy around our core um, deliverable tactic? You know, and how's that all slotting in? And you can really make people excited and energetic about doing stuff and delivering because you're delivering to where they want to shine, where they want to have energy. And the bottom line is this creates business value. If you sit a dozen people in the room and say, polish that for me, and there isn't a single polish in the room, it'll take months. If you sit in a room and there's three polishes and you go, can you polish that for me? They'll be as happy as um, happy as Larry and then he said swine in muck. But, but, but the important thing is that if you give people what they want to do by their energy input, by their proclivity, the word you use, this is exactly how you get the best out of people because they come to work going great i get to do what i want to do yeah now that doesn't mean that they can't do the other things and most most people are a mix of these five um states but it means that you're not asking someone who's a polisher to polish 100 uh, who's not a polisher to polish 100 percent of the time exactly and, and that's that, that's where i see the enormous value in team working and psychological safety is to have a way of understanding where people want to put their energy. Because if, if they don't put the energy into work, then they put the energy into being frustrated and annoyed. Exactly. I mean, it's quite interesting. I mean, obviously, we're hearing a lot about mental health because of COVID and, and, and today, mm. particularly with the news from, uh, about the royal family. But, um, you know, Doing something you don't like doing or not doing or doing something you enjoy could be a world of difference between good mental health, frankly, and yes. mental health. So I think it's very timely. Can I just come back to something though? Um, you, you've mentioned inclusion safety, learner safety, uh, contributor safety. Just touch a little bit on challenger safety. So obviously, this is, I guess, the nirvana that you've got to a point of comfort, understanding, trust respect you can now challenge and i find the challenge part of the world is either bluntly handled horribly or not handled at all and just swept under the carpet Let's talk a little bit about challenger safety because i think that that's an area that people don't get very you know, don't get right very well yeah it, it's a sort of um the top end of this guy timothy clark's he's got this four stage process and it's what he has been a lot talked about since about 1965 about psychological safety. And Tim's really done a good job of putting it into these stages or layers. Um, and I'd recommend everybody to read his book. But, but it's not about a linear process or a binary process. You either have it or you haven't. People move through states of feeling safe and people move um, can be in multiple places at the same time. I think what you're referring to which i find really interesting is of where you're i think trying to take us is challenges 
But let me recount a story. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Uh, I was working for, for a CEO and this CEO um, was saying we weren't innovative enough. We didn't have enough um, get up and go in the team. I had some very good, some great soldiers. This is in the exec, by the way, um, and not enough people who, you know, uh, were lucky generals, if you like, to borrow Napoleon's phrase. And um, he said, I need someone who's going to, uh, he didn't use the word game changer, but that's what he wanted. He said, I need someone who's going to come in here and rustle, rustle feathers and stick sticks and poke them into beehives where people don't want them stuck. And uh, so I said, do you want a disruptor? And he said, yeah, that's exactly the phrase of what I want. So um, anyway, I, 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 the work finished with this client. They move on and they do their own thing. And, you know, it's pointless thinking you can be engaged all the time. Um, and I happened to see him uh, about 18 months later, maybe two years. Um, and I said, had, he said, we hired, we hired this. You know, you were right. That's what I did. I went and hired them. I went, oh, fantastic. How's that going? He said, we fired them after 18 months. And I went, oh, why is that? Well, they're too disruptive. And, and, and it, it was, it, it, so in other words, the, the introduction of safety is a real core, even at the extreme top of the business. In fact, probably there more than even lower down is the need to create safety where someone can feel as though they can challenge uh, either a preconceived norm or, or even a norm, sorry, it can't be preconceived, uh, can challenge a norm, can challenge ideas, uh, can question the accountant about financial practice, and they can question the technical officer or the marketing officer about technical or marketing issues. And they have that beautiful sense of safety and honesty about the conversation, and they feel they can have that and be protected. Um, that's not to say that they go into every board meeting or exec meeting and disrupt everything and, and, and just challenge for the sake of it. But challenge is the most important thing that we can do to get to innovation. Unless you're challenging people, you're always going to do, do what you've always done. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. If you don't challenge people, you're always going to do what you've always done. And the problem is that many companies have got to the stage where they don't introduce any innovation tools they don't try and look at their people anymore they just think that if they run the sausage machine faster they're going to get something different to yep. what they've always got yep. and we're back almost in full circle to talking about where we are and what we've done during covid during this last 12 months is to run the sausage machine and We've got what we've always got. And that is perfectly legitimate. It's been a period of enormous stress for most organisations, whether they be public, private, NGOs, whatever you want to call it. And you can argue about the, the, the politics of, of organisation and whether people have been stressed. But the simple fact is they have been. Yeah. And the best thing we could do as executives is to support our teams to be as psychologically safe as possible, to accept the new working environments, to provide them with support and keep doing what we've always done. Because that is, on the last thing, you have all this disruption and change and then, oh, by the way, we're gonna change how we work. Really? Oh, I don't think so. So, but now we've got to the stage where we have to now look at the way we do things. 
and we have to look at you know how we how we deliver the value and as i said the productivity is appalling industry 4.0 we have got to improve our productivity and the simple fact is when people say i work as hard as i can they're not being productive they're working just being working you know so how many meetings did you attend today that were actually needing of your input two how many meetings did you go to six so you wasted three four hours in meetings that you couldn't couldn't progress anything in and i and i was i won't name the company but i know a very good cto um oh, sorry actually cdo his his official title very big company household name he spends his whole day in meetings and we were discussing this the other day and he just said i have to do 10 hours a day to get any work done and i said well why don't you stop going to some of those meetings uh, well, that's that that that's what I'm trying to get to, but it's not that easy. And so, therefore, we need to revisit this. We need to make highly skilled people. We want to give them work where they want to put their proclivity, their energy, so we get the best value. Yeah. Uh, we want them to stop having to attend, so make them part of teams that are cohesive and inclusive. And finally, uh, we want the individuals to be formed into teams that are the most productive for the type of work they're doing well you know if they're doing a cost reduction program once you've got some ideas and some some change going on you don't want someone to be throwing in change ideas every time you get to a massive cost reduction moment you need someone who's going to implement it and someone's going to polish it not someone who's going to be saying yeah i know you're doing that but i've got this other idea now and you, you sort of get, and you can hear these conversations. I'm sure you've been in conversations. Yeah, yeah, but we've just started doing this. Yeah, yeah, but this is even better. And you're like going, no, no, we need to get this nailed on. We need to get the value out of this. You know, it's about, Agile's always been about prioritizing value delivery and using prioritization to give you the most value, whether you talk about, you know, CD3, something that, 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 that was done uh, some years ago with Maersk and um, um, and Josh, uh, these things, it's about value. And all that we've talked about today is about human capital value. And some people don't like that phraseology. I don't mind. I'm just talking about realis realistically, people produce value, not machines. Machines may be a, an interlocutor that allows the value to be created faster, but the machine doesn't program itself. I think it's very interesting that you've been very strong there about actually it's been hell or it's been difficult. Just do what you do and keep that going. So you've got some familiarity, if nothing else. But now is the time to change. So some people said, no, you should have been innovating earlier. And, and so mm. so, but now is the time for change. And we've talked about the types of people. Should we be thinking, therefore, well, who have I got? And how can I make sure that, first of all, they know where they're happiest, want a better work. I know where they're happiest and hear the best out of them. But have I got the right mix of happy? Should they yes. you right now? Or instead of reaching for the next framework or just do everything faster? And that's a big thing, isn't it? Do lots of things in smaller batches, do it fast. Yes. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, I don't want to sound as though I'm here um, talking on behalf of the GC index because they can do that themselves. 
uh, I'm sure they'll grab hold of this podcast and give it a bit of promotion. But but the point is, uh, and, and I, I declare an interest, I suppose, now is that, that I'm a what they call a geologist, so I practice this tool. But far beyond that, I was always before I even knew what this tool was. When I worked with teams, I recognised that the high performing team, the Katzenbach and Back and Smith stuff, was as much to do with skills and aptitudes as it was to do with where people wanted to give their energy. And if you're having that open debate with the team about what is it you want to do most? What is it you love? You know, what is it that, and I, you know, uh, I remember when we did some stuff at William Hill, we used the word in, um, in, in their purpose statement, we used the word love and trust. And this, is a, this was a FTSE 100 company using the term love and trust. On their online business and that was a real awakening moment for all of us because we suddenly realized how people-centric we were how everything that we were doing through this massive program called trafalgar was about getting our customers to love and trust us and trust is a is a goes across everything whether it's the people delivering or the people buying people buying trust you and people delivering trust that they're doing the right thing and people trust that the team around them are going to be doing the right thing. And as soon as you start to erode the trust by becoming uh, too self-obsessed, um, uh, then, then you erode trust very, very quickly. Uh, Self-orientation is a way of getting rid of trust. So that for me, as we talk through this, find out what people are good at. Use, you know, for me, by all means do psychometrics and all the other stuff but look at their skills. So you might want to use, you know, uh, something like Gallup Strengths or something like that. Look at, look at how the team is constructed for skills. But at the end of the day, look at where people want to be most energetic, where they want to use a proclivity that they have. Because people doing what they love do far better than people who do what they can do, but they don't love it. And we've all been in that conversation with really senior people who go, yeah, I'm accountant, but I don't really like doing accounts. Well, what I love doing is strategic M&A. And, and really good CFOs move from, you know, they get a finance director and they do the strategic M&A. They don't have any to, or they don't have anything to do with the accounting process effectively. Um, they use it to leverage deals and to create deals and to winnow deals, but that's what they do all the time. They do the strategic stuff. You know, and whereas I can't think of a more implementer role than an accountant. What do you do? Well, I implement budget and I make sure that um, you know, we have the right budgets met and we polish it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so for me, I, I think if you, the best way of forming a team is to have a balance of these five attributes that the GC index talks about. Um, I'm all, always happy to do more of this with you if you wanted to go through that very specifically. But let's stop for a minute, understand that it is people and, you know, it, it's always, I wanted to put this on the front of a website and I was denied the right to do this once. It's always about the people, stupid. Right? And I wanted to put that front and centre on a website, on the front page. And I was told by the board I couldn't. And, you know, I have a pharmaceutical background, but biotech background as well, as you know. And 
that's always about the people stupid and um you know i think it's a great phrase that we just keep forgetting you know whether it's about the recent upheaval in the royal family whether it's about you know how we're coming out of this awful covid situation whether it's about pay rises that are justified or not for the nhs public staff whether we're talking whatever it is it's always about the people stupid and until you understand that and can get people to contribute where they want to contribute most you're always going to be fighting their natural inclination i want to do strategy yeah but can you just polish this i don't, I don't polish stuff it's not what i do yeah but i need you to do that you may well get people to do what they don't naturally want to do, but it can't be the purpose of their job in the team. You've got to give them the sense of, yeah, I'm having the, the bread and butter sandwich today, but, but on Friday, I'm gonna get to have an ice cream because I'm gonna get to do what I really love. And, uh, you know, that for me is getting people to do what they really love and understand and, and the great thing about you know the, the index that I've talked about is that it's it's a self-generated questionnaire. It, it's not something where um, you you do all sorts of psychometric analysis on someone and ask some questions about some preconceived sense of are, are you more this this adjective or more that adjective. I was talking to someone who was doing this test uh, only a couple of weeks ago. They said they were given three options and they said are you more like this or are you more in more like that and he said that the first question was you know are, are you uh, insular are you outward going are you uh, gregarious and so we could say well yeah well I'm, I'm a bit insular and then he had to choose a second choice between are you outward going are you gregarious and it was like going well is there a lot of difference between the two of these states and and he said it's the most difficult thing he's ever done um, one place until you give me the right answer. I, I, I just so everybody knows, I mean, you know, uh, you and I did some work on the GC index. You, you very kindly yeah. gave me the test, and uh, I filled it in, and we had a great chat about it afterwards. Uh, it was very easy to fill in, I have to say, it took me a matter of minutes. Um, there was one question I went, hmm, but apart from that, I just flew through it as I often do. Um, and unsurprisingly, <laughs> your detail was pretty well into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could have, you could have got lower, but not much lower on the score. Um, <laughs> nice as well about the game changer. That was my that was my strength as well. So uh, it was really interesting for me, uh, and it's made me think a lot about how I do my work. So um, yeah, and I really appreciate it. I will put links, and we will introduce it to uh, everybody who listens to the podcast. Great. Um, we're we're pretty much out of time, but obviously. We've mentioned the agile word. You've been in the agile world for a long time. Um, <laughs> celebrated, I think, the signing of the manifesto which we've referenced. So we've had a good 20 years. Thinking through it, I suppose, let's just idly wonder do, do you think we've really achieved a great deal? Have we really changed? If we were to do something again, what would we do differently? Or what do we, could we be most proud of? What's your reflection, I guess, of 20 years of agile? Yeah. I my reflection has been having known a couple of ceos chief product officer of the scrum alliance having got to know the safe organization from the very top down pretty well um 
and looked at other, you know, the Kanban organization, David Anderson, people like that. My feeling is that we've got a little too much game changing going on. Uh, and people are always overly critical of people who just want to drive the value out of what we've already and you often hear oh you're not doing it right or that's the wrong name or scrum masters don't do that sort of thing or you know um, the product ambassadors don't behave like that or that's not how an agile release train works and you're sort of going really is 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 that when we all met up in snowbird was that really where we thought let's make sure the, nomen the nomenclature is correct or did we think what is the human you know what <laughs> you know people in interactions it's right there at the front who cares what the process and tool is if you're not putting the people and in interaction over and above it and my criticism of the agile space is that we've forgotten the first principle and we've become a process and tools community over a people uh, a community people in interactions community and you know I, I think there's a there's a fifth if you like principle that was so so to answer your question I think that is that the great benefit is we've come up with some fantastic frameworks the great tragedy is that we focus on nomenclature and framework purity uh, and it just drives me mad um, I, I think the the thing that I've always said um, that I wanted just to quickly come back to is I've I've always felt there was a, a fifth discipline that we should have mentioned and that fifth discipline um, uh, I think is very different but I think it highlights what we're talking about and that is leadership and courage over management and process now, I absolutely believe that we need management and process. I'd be, well, I'd be wrong to say that I didn't believe in it. But what I do believe in is we need leadership and courage. And by leadership, I don't mean someone with the title leader or manager or master or um, director. I mean people who understand the safety and the, 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 the benefit that leadership gives a team and you will be a leader at different moments and i've managed biotech companies where i was clearly not the leader in the room even though i was a ceo and clearly other situations in the states where i i was not the ceo but clearly i was the leader in the room and at full board level through to other levels in the organization and that for me Leadership and courage is something we should have and should now focus on um, alongside, you know, it's people and interactions. You know, it's about the people, stupid. People and interactions. Just remember that. Be a leader, have courage. Hey, listen, you could add to that. Great answer. Sorry, I didn't quite get you at the end. You're, you're a bit. I think there's very little we could add to that. I was letting it all go into my mind. I am very much on the people side. I do think we just ask too many exacting questions about well, the points or the role of the PO and so on and so forth. 
and it distresses me because then you start thinking I don't really want to ask the questions anymore or I don't want to make a statement anymore because I think we've missed the point. Yes. But um, leadership and courage. Um, I give that a big thumbs up. Good. Uh, run Good. out of time. If they want to get hold of you, for the first of all, you know, talk to you about the GC index, the use of it, application, and so forth. Or sure. About things in agile, because obviously you are deeply experienced. Uh, how can they get hold of you? Uh, so uh, the best thing to do is to email me, uh, Michael Short at cultureworksconsulting.com uh so uh, spelt as it said um or you can call me you know I'm, I'm always happy to have a conversation with someone where there's triggers their thinking um my number is 07711875909 and all that's on the website which is uh, all the w's.cultureworksconsulting.com um and I, I really love you know just to talk to people about this have discussion yeah let's have a healthy challenge and disagreement over this um, and move out at the other end with, um, well, it was a great interaction and it was people orientated and we just didn't go through uh, a bloody uh, process and at all. I, I, um, well, I've done it. I enjoyed it. I recommend it. Michael, thank you okay. so much. And uh, hopefully uh, I'll see you soon when we get out of the lockdown. That sounds great, Ian. Thank you very much indeed.